Right. It's adorable. Okay, I'm going to crack you, this open. Yes, you open the gin and I'll get the sound. Okay. There it is. Hello and welcome to 30 by 30, a podcast tracking 30 adventures as challenged by my friends before my 30th birthday. In this podcast series, you're going to hear me climb a mountain, attend a protest, ride a motorbike, attempt to date my comedy idol, yikes, and so much more. In episode 11, my challenge to you, Lucy Richards, is to do a watercolour painting of your favourite view. Would you believe that this is in fact my 15th challenge, the halfway mark in 30 by 30? Running behind schedule, clearly, so um, let's get on with episode 11. I am terrible at art, and no, I'm not being modest, I'm useless with a paintbrush. Even when we were younger, it was my sister who was the artist, I was the reader. So this art-related challenge was a real challenge for me, but with a wonderfully thoughtful and personal edge. I chatted to my challenger, Naina, a couple of months ago before she left the country for a new job in Hong Kong. So, Naina. Yes, Lucy. How do we know each other? Right, okay, we know each other. We met at... um at university at that really well-known social event of the library tour. <laughs> we met on a library tour. Um, so I think the good thing about that, I think we, I remember us sort of just gravitating towards each other. Yes. I think because we realised in that moment that we were both as sad as each other and that was going to be the making of a beautiful friendship. <laughs> yes. And th- I mean, the fact that we met on a library tour mm. says a lot about us. Could you just open my gin as well? Yeah, I absolutely. Hold that. Did you, you also want me to drink it? <laughs> <laughs> Um, so that's how we met and we obviously established that we were doing exactly the same course mm-hmm. um, and we then also figured out that um, essentially for me to walk to the other campus the delightful Bullmersh campus um, yeah. I had to walk directly past your hall so we yes. then used to meet and that's do right. the walk together because we did so you did your, your entire degree was it English with film and theatre Whereas I just did that in first, first year, year. And, and film and theatre was on a different campus. Yeah. So, and it was like a half hour walk. For you, it was more like an hour it for me. Like I, I picked you up halfway. <laughs> Which is why you I generally had thing. to eat a number of chocolate bars yes, on the way. Yes, I do remember there was always snacks. Um, <laughs> always snacks. And I would say by and large we put the world to rights. We did, because it's a good half walls. hour walk, yeah. like our stint. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and it was then just like a firm friendship. Yes, and then we never looked back. And then obviously that developed into us living together in third year, yeah. which was such fun. So you, um, I know you've caught up on Tom's episodes. Tom was the solo trip episode. Yeah, yeah. I said third year was my favourite year. Oh, yeah, was, without a shadow it was of a doubt. the best house. And then we were like, I swear that ev- all of our friends were really close to each other. Yeah, everyone was really quite close to And we had such a nice house and did lots of entertaining. Yes. I feel like yeah, there were so many bits. So many board games. Yeah, I did actually query in that episode you saying that you don't remember being that drunk at university. I, think- I have to say, <laughs> I remember it differently. <laughs> Do you remember any specific scenarios? Um, well, I remember us doing quite a lot of watching, generally of period dramas or certainly series, with vodka cranberries <laughs> in in your bed, yes. essentially. I remember <laughs> yeah. lots of those. Yeah. Um, 
I remember many a pre-lash with a bit of Sean Kingston yeah. in the background. Yeah. Um, the toga party. Yes, toga party. Was a classic. And a lot of like articulate battles. Yeah, masses of articulate battles. Actually. Yeah. We were a killer team. <laughs> we were. No one really wanted to play with us. I like, no. never understand. I think, <laughs> I think we did get separated at some point. And no, you are right actually because I, I did used to get pissed because then I'd get the munchies at like 1, 2am and just sort of like, just repeat oh the word gosh, chips. Oh my gosh, you sent me out for chips I... once. Yeah, yeah, so actually I feel like... <laughs> That was something of a misremembering. That was a lie on my part. Um, yeah. Apologies. Thank you for fact checking. <laughs> it's fine. I just feel like all your listeners really should know the truth. <laughs> so, what was your challenge? So, my challenge to you, um, after thinking about it for a long time yeah. and setting you some that are slightly more long term, yes. because uh, you, such as coming to Kenya and now Hong Kong. Yes. Um, but obviously that's unrealistic necessarily in a year and it's quite pricey so yeah um the more manageable challenge that i set to you was to do a watercolor painting of your favorite view uh, do you paint much no which was why i made you do it <laughs> <laughs> i can't i think in at one stage i thought what would be really nice actually is if we could um do it together yes um but obviously geographically that's going to be quite difficult and also you know, obviously I I feel like it's actually something that you knowing what that view is and, and that being a really personal thing and yeah. stuff it actually might be quite a nice thing just to do on your own. However, yeah. I did think maybe what I could do is try and do one of my favourite view oh. and then we could compare. Well maybe even swap. <laughs> well that was gonna be my question. What is your favourite view? So I, I think probably um I actually pretty much until um doing you know my big uh, trip around the states last year yeah. I, I probably would have hands down said it's the view looking out to sea from where my mum and dad live in Kenya on the coast of Kenya um America has some truly spectacular views yes. um and I think from the point of view that one of my absolute favorite roads that we drove on um was in Wyoming and it's called the Beartooth Pass and you come out you sort of come out of Yellowstone Park and you kind of climb up this incredibly windy road um and at every moment you're like I must take a picture of the view and obviously as you get higher and higher it just gets better and better and that was utterly stunning um and I would say certainly it was my favorite view of that trip but actually obviously sentimentally not the same so yeah. I think Kenya Kenya still wins um also just because of the you know the colors of the sea and and the sand and that I feel like it would lend itself well to a piece of art yeah is this where you would go to watch the sunrise or the sunset yeah 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 absolutely so we'll both yeah um oh how gorgeous yes so when you come to Kenya and you complete that next challenge um you will obviously be able to see that in the flesh and by that stage we'll both be really good at painting so we can just (laughs) do loads of painting yeah exactly so you have actually just turned 30 a couple couple of months ago how do you how do you feel about that um sort of fine (laughs) putting a brave face on it no um I was really not, I was really in denial about it, I think, as it approached, because it just didn't quite seem real. I'm used to being the youngest 
obviously of my siblings by quite a long way and so I've always felt like that meant I was somehow ageless Um, and so that approaching felt a little bit strange because I think also because with my siblings I have very clear memories of them at particular ages and so even though obviously they're also all getting older I always think of them as particular ages none of which by the way are in their 30s so the fact that I was suddenly hitting 30 felt really weird Um, but I was so wonderfully spoilt on my 30th birthday and it actually just ended up being such a fun thing I thought that actually maybe it was going to be all right yeah and of course you don't feel any different at all I think and this has obviously come up in some of the other um other episodes you know people saying that you have a real feeling of what you want to have done Mm. by particular stages in life and I definitely remember um when I was younger sort of middle teenager I suppose um I had a really clear idea I think that was largely governed by the age at which my parents had done things so you know they had got married and moved abroad together and had one child by the time they were 28 or 29 or something and so I was in my head I was like I I really want to I really want to have achieved that and then actually I realised increasingly that not only would it have been a total disaster because I'm way too irresponsible to do those sorts yeah. of things, but actually I really didn't want those things yeah. either. So yeah. that was a nice, that's quite a nice feeling. And I think I've also now, my um, my fears of, you know, not having achieved things, like, I suppose particularly having a family um, by the time, or at least started by the time of 30, have also been laid to rest by the fact that, um, po- po- well, two of my sisters have you know had children much later but what I think I love about you and I always have loved about you is that you're incredibly independent and I sort of feel like with life you throw all the colour at the canvas and you go at everything I'm not very good at painting (laughs) (laughs) it's not very controlled (laughs) so that's why I was quite excited about talking to you about turning 30 because I thought you'd be like do you know what it's gonna be fine yeah it is absolutely in my mind that's just kind of what you're what you're like that's kind of your attitude to life is just it's going to be fine yeah it's a funny thing because it is obviously just a total construction and and the fact that it is that 30s is um you know being 30 is a huge deal because actually I think also it's it's school when you're in an institution where you're all you're the same age as everyone else your whole cohort yes there's I think such a different feeling about getting older whereas obviously now I work with people of yes, all ages in like like 95 yeah and so in my think? head they're sort of four yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. and uh, of course that's not the case yeah um but the um yeah I think it's it, and obviously being a teacher I think makes a difference because you are endlessly confronted with not only students wanting to know how old you are and having to sort of just accept all of the all of the guesses that they throw your way but also um you know it's funny because you do get things like for, for them say for example I I think I might have told you this before actually but I had um one of my students a few years ago he's a really sweet little boy and he um was in I think he was in year eight actually at the time and I remember him asking me what 9-11 was he was like everyone always talks about it but I don't you know what what actually Gosh. was it and whereas for us yeah. I you know I can remember exactly where I was I wasn't yes. even actually that old but yeah. but you know you can remember it was such a um a current thing and for, yeah. for them so much of that is history so for them the notion that you know I didn't have a Facebook account till I was 18 and didn't have a smartphone that could connect to the internet I mean pretty much until about sort of 
I guess I must have been in my early 20s. Yeah. It's just so bizarre, isn't it? So it is it is a funny thing, but actually I I'm not at all I'm not really at all phased by by being 30 now and I think um I'm a few a few of my friends turned 30 at the end of last year and I saw that you know they were still standing. Yeah. So that helped <laughs> and then um and I sort of being born in March you end up being in the middle of that yes, that sort true. of year group so it's quite nice so you know I'm I don't I wasn't one of the first to go but I'm also now not at the end of the trail where everyone's already done it and a bit bored of the whole thing yeah that's thing. such a good point so, being a March baby is yeah it? you're gonna be fine yeah, it's such a great month to be born in I hadn't even thought that <laughs> for so many reasons yeah but particularly yeah so I think I think it's a lot of fun and also if you want to um you know do really sort of crazy radical things when you're 30 move to Hong Kong yeah. which is what I'm about to I do know, this is this is I mean I'm recording this at the start of like your final hurrah yeah so you're gonna be I hope exceptionally pissed in nine hours time yeah less than I think (laughs) (laughs) it's not it's not gonna take long um yeah so this is going to be our last meeting for a while I know which is a really odd thought it is isn't it yeah not a great thought so let's not dwell on that one too much well let's just get drinking yeah absolutely good luck with all painting I can't wait to see it thank you very much Um, and I have no doubt that you will be much more talented than (laughs) than than I am painting but I'm really looking forward to seeing the outcome thank you my love Nain and I have actually travelled together to various foreign shores and admired some truly beautiful views together. I thought of all of these ahead of this challenge but found it hard to resist the emotional pull of views closer to home. So after a couple of months of mulling it over, I decided that my favourite view is in fact that from my godmother's house, which is set on a hidden hill beside a sweeping field and overlooking the town of Marlow in Buckinghamshire. I'm from the countryside and I always find myself being drawn toward green so it's probably not a surprise to anyone who knows me that my favourite view is in fact a rural one. And I love this specific view because the landscape changes with each season and tells a new story with every quarter of the year. You might remember one of my godmother's son Simon back in episode 3 when we climbed Scarfell Pike together. In that episode, we talked of the Henley Show, an agricultural fair that our families visited every autumn for some 30 years. And in my memory, those days were gloriously sunny and the field by my godmother's house was reliably bathed in golden autumnal light. It's my favourite view, I think, because it reflects an annual tradition at a beautiful time of year with my non-blood family. On a more personal level, it reminds me of a man called Roger, who was my dad's best mate and my godmother's husband, who passed away in 2016. Roger lives on in his three sons, JP, Simon and David, who all gave me their own version of encouragement when I visited their home on a dismal November day to paint the view from their house. I guess try and make sure it looks as much like the view as you can do. <laughs> no, that's, um, that's the worst of us. Yeah? What I want to do is start with your eyes shut and paint, paint from your heart, Lucy. Paint with emotion, paint with passion. Don't, see, don't think about what you're seeing, think about what you're feeling. I've let that transcend onto the paper and it'll be a masterpiece. I've heard, I've heard the opposite. You need to, to, to paint what you see, not what you think you see. So you should be looking at the view more than you're looking at your paper. Uh, other tips. Take your time. You yeah. know. Don't be afraid to oh, make mistakes. Yeah, this is all oh, no! <laughs> this is all on record, brother. Tell you something, are you, gonna do, are you just doing one attempt or do you think, depending on time, you might do a couple? I think mm. I'd rather like layer it up. Yeah. One up. I think. That's a good idea. You can't rush perfection, though, can you? No, you can't, Lucy. 
No, you can't. When I finished my very naive rendition of a bucolic view, I chatted to my godmother. Are you ready for grand reveal? I am ready. So, here we go. <laughs> That's <is> lovely. <laughs> if I looked at that, I would know that is the view from my... And I added a red kite in. And you added your red kite? Yes. And I think you've done an absolutely brilliant job with the telegraph. Thank you. Poles. I mean, that's exactly how yeah how they look. Mm. And you've got the right perspective. I feel yes. You know how dominant the fence is, and I'm pleased. I'm pleased you repaired it. It's broken at the moment. One of the boys jumping over it. Yeah, there was some artistic license. No, at least it looks lovely. I like it very much. Well, it is yours. It's very bland. <laughs> <laughs> but I do. I like it very much. It's yours. Oh, thank you. You're welcome. I should... You can, you can hang it with pride and people will say, what five-year-old painted this for you, Alison? No, you'll say, no, it's a 29-year-old. I, I hope you're going to sign it for me. Oh, yes, I shall sign it, yes. And um, I shall hang it with pride of place. I shall get a little frame for it and, and pop, it, pop it up near the window so that... People can... People can compare. Yes. And it does look like the view from our house. Well, that's very kind. Yes. Um, so then, I think all that really leaves us to then say is, how... I'm going to sign it now while I ask. <laughs> how do we know each other? How do we know each other? Well, you know, how long's a piece of street? Yes. I mean, <laughs> it's a story. So I was thinking about this earlier. I first met your parents, Rob and Nick, back in October... 1986. Yeah. So in the July of 1986, I became engaged. I accepted a marriage proposal from Roger. Yes. Who was, or yeah, was, is <laughs> uh, Rob's best friend from university. Yeah. So um, Roger obviously knew Nick as well because your mum and dad were at university together. That's how they met. And they were they were good friends, and I'd heard all about them um, when I when I got to know Roger, and then I just remember an well, evening on the twentieth of October, nineteen eighty six, <laughs> and the phone rang, and Roger answered it, and I heard him say hello, Rob, and then I heard Roger was excited, and when he put the phone down, he told me that your mum and dad had had their first daughter, Katie, yes. your elf sister. Um, and that really is the very first significant event I remember happening to us as a couple, besides getting engaged. Oh. So it's a really, really fond memory for me. Anyway, not long after that, I think within a few few days, a few weeks, definitely, we went to... I went to meet your parents yeah. and Katie. Yeah. And that was it, really. And you arrived um, nearly three and a half years later. Yes. Um, Roger became Katie's godfather and I was very touched when your mum asked me to be your godmother because we hadn't been friends for very long yeah but we definitely have all we clicked as soon as we met so that's how I that's how I first knew them and then as years have gone by yeah um, as you know <laughs> yes we went on to have three more children yes. some of whom have been on your podcast yes uh, so we had Jonathan first and then we had Simon and then we had Ruth and David yeah. So we have all these links, these two families that are so special and, and links that we, and, or bonds that we have chosen to make, not because yeah. 
there's blood involved, no. but because we genuinely want those relationships. But that's that's sort of reflective of the whole idea behind the podcast, which is that I think that there's something incredibly magical about choosing your own family and those kind of invisible threads that run between mm. friends mm. and how, yeah, they're, they're there as much as your family are. And that's exactly what you, the four of you did. Yes. With all of us. Mm. And even though there's no blood links, it's, it's it family. It doesn't matter. matter at all. You were nine when we moved here. Yeah. You were nine when we moved here, so you must have memories of I do. us in the previous I do. house. I do, I remember playing in the garden a lot yes. as well, but I, but I suppose we moved when I was seven as well, so it, it just, I don't know, it just feels like this house has been quite a permanent kind of presence, and, you know, whenever we'd come over, we'd all, it always felt like a celebration, mm. um, and partners have come boyfriends and girlfriends have come and gone yes you know pets have come and gone as well yes and it's just it's been it's been a real constant and I just absolutely love the house and I love the view and it it makes me think of all of you and it makes me think of a particular year when after the Henley show which Simon and I discussed in our episode Mm. we all sat in the field which Mm. I've just painted Mm. and it was that beautiful autumnal mellow sunshine mm. it just felt golden and I remember us all having a drink and then I took a picture of dad and uncle Roger in the field and it's a really gorgeous picture that looks like them it looks like them they look so happy they in each look other's so company, happy and and I think that's also why I love it because it makes me think of him and mm. whenever the red kites would fly over and he'd kind of like, he'd point them out. Mm. And it makes me think of him and dad sitting out there with a beer, just kind of, you know, putting the world to rights. The world to rights, exactly. Yeah, and that's a, theirs is the friendship that it's all sort of hint, it all sort of anchored on, isn't it? Because yeah. they, they were friends for nearly 45 years, yes. weren't they? Um, yeah. Until, until Roger died, which was a terrible, terrible thing. But again, um, we, everybody has coped in their own way, but your father, in particular, has been an enormous, an enormous help. It's it's very comforting to have someone <clears throat> who's who has known Roger, you know, for for twenty years before I did. So things that I didn't even know about yeah. him. So not just on a practical level, which he was very practical, or is very practical to help with, but emotionally as well. Yeah, you know, you hear things. Occasionally, and you think, "Oh, I didn't know that about either of them." So, um, yeah. So originally, you know, six of us lived here. So it was a, a proper family, proper yeah. family home. And now we're down to two. Yes. So we do rattle around a little bit, but um, we're staying put because when everybody arrives, <laughs> there are a lot of people. Yeah. Um, so that, I mean, that's something in you, you're saying your memories of coming here. So you'd come for the Henley show and you'd always come for the weekend. Yes. And we'd all squeeze in, all ten of us, wouldn't we? That's right. Um, and uh, started off, we'd all be exhausted and you'd all need to be looked after and we'd <laughs> collapse in a little heap at the end of the day. But as you all got older and we would go out for dinner in the evening and leave Katie in charge, was looking back on it, I think it's quite a <laughs> responsibility for her. But again, happy memories, and it's yeah. just how how time how time moves on. And it was a it was a big thing in our year. 
Yes. Massive thing. School school started and it was Henley Show weekend. Yeah. It was. It was a real it was a real event in mm. our mm. in our diaries. And it was just lovely how each year it was a different kind of permutation mm. of people. Yeah, different weather. Yes. Yeah. Fabulous picnics. Fabulous picnics. Then you'd all go off and then you all got old enough to go to the bar. That's right. And you'd vanish to the bar for hours on end. And mother and I and Roger and Rob would treat some around all the produce tents and look at the animals, but you lot would all be in the bar. <laughs> <laughs> nothing changes. Yeah, nothing changes. <laughs> After finalising my not-so-artful artwork, we went on to visit my godmother's brother-in-law, who is genuinely talented. Andy is in fact studying fine art here in London, and he gave me a tour of his home, which is lined with genuine masterpieces of his own making, talking me through the inspiration and process behind each artwork. This proved to me what I already know, I am not gifted when it comes to art, but I can boast a wonderful extended family. Here are some of my mates with their favourite views. The view um, from the mountain right at the top of Innsbruck when I visited there earlier this year with my friend Jess. Um, it took ages to go up to, up this mountain and it was really beautiful weather um, in amongst lots of really cloudy days. So we were really lucky. We got to the top and we could see Italy on one side and Germany on the other. And then Innsbruck itself was sort of down in the valley looking all kind of, you know, quaint and pretty and everything was covered in snow. And there were lots of pine trees as well, kind of, you know, crawling up the mountain. Um, and it was so beautiful it just looked painted it almost didn't quite look real yeah I've been racking my brain but the thing that keeps coming to mind is the picture I have is my phone uh, like lock screen which is a view of Positano in Italy Um, it is just beautiful all these gorgeous houses like kind of set into a a cliff face um, with like beautiful blue sky bit of sparkling sea just so beautiful my favorite view is the ocean yeah <laughs> <laughs> i think it's quite grounding to be looking at the ocean i think it's quite powerful and i think i just sometimes get a bit lost when i look at the ocean my favorite view is outside of our living room window um where i can sit with a coffee sat in our office chair in our last house was a Tudor house, so we had like portholes for windows, but now we're in a Georgian flat and it's got 12 foot windows and we've got three of them. We can just sort of stare out over the lawns and the trees and the valley of Bath and watch the clouds roll past with the, with the birds flying about. I really like it. It's a moving view, isn't it? Yeah. Outside our... With the occasional tourist. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of tourists. <laughs> I'm signing off for this episode, but not before saying thank you to Nana for a really sweet challenge. As always, I loved visiting one of my favourite places and some of my favourite people and reflecting on that very special view. And also just to say, Nanes, I think the deal was that you'd paint your favourite view too, so excited for you to send that to me next time on the podcast. And I remember waking up being like, this is the worst hangover I have ever had. Yeah. I can't even open my eyes. And I was like hold on, that's not good. I've never, I've been hungover before, but this is ridiculous. And I think I remember texting my mum or something with my, with like one eye open or slightly, <laughs> uh, slightly open. And being like, I can't open my eyes. Yeah. They're so painful. And I think she said something like, you're going to have to go to, you're going to have to go to any because what could she do? Um, so I remember crawling in, being hungover. Yeah. As yeah. Sin. 
and saying to you, I think I need to go to A&E. And I think you were a bit like, babes, it's just a hangover. You don't need to go to A&E. But then I'm taking off my sunglasses and you're being like, oh my God. (laughs) I was like, call the number, call the number. Bye for now.